Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. Here we are again. And we have been on the road, right, Richard? Well, we've been on the road back and forth to Provo for Education Week. <laughs> yeah, we have. We had so much fun with everyone down there all week from Tuesday to Friday. And then we've been on the road to Bear Lake and back, and we have had quite a time. But then we get into the fall, and we really go on the road. We're going to be speaking to parents many parts of the world, and we're going to take you listeners with us wherever we go. But I want to say one thing leading in, Linda. Do you realize that on this radio show, for most listeners, we come right after the food nanny? Yes, we heard the end of that show. She sounds terrific. I wish I'd had her around when our kids were at home. Well, you know, I'll tell you one thing. She's exactly right when she says the dinner hour or the dinner time is the most important family time of the whole day. And we've been preaching that for years, trying to get people to come back to their families. It really is tough, though, with the crazy schedules that everybody has now. We had we had one amazing experience. We were, I don't want you to think we do this every day, but we were cruising around in the Caribbean on a yacht with some rich friends of ours. <laughs> They're always nice to have. Luckily, we have one or two, though. And we ran into another yacht that was the sister ship of the one we were on. That means they were made in the same dock at the same time in England. And it had a guy on it who was famous at the time. Some people still know him, Graham Kerr, the galloping gourmet of TV fame, a British guy. Long story short, he invited us on board, and we went on and had dinner with him, and he spent the whole day the whole evening telling us that if only families would have dinner together every night, there'd be no more problems in the world. Every single issue would be resolved. He did, and actually it was hilarious because his his chef was his crew, and it was the worst rubber chicken we've ever had. <laughs> but we did have a really nice conversation. It was really, t- and he felt this from his heart, that if families would just sit around the table and eat together and talk, and what was your high, and what was your low today, and things like that, which I'm sure she covers, it really would make a difference in our world. Absolutely. So today, as we promised a couple of weeks ago to those of you that were listening, we're going to get back to the subject of entitlement, kids' entitlement attitudes, which more than half of the young parents in America vote for that as the toughest parenting challenge they face, the biggest issue they face. Why do you... Why do you suppose entitlement attitudes wins out in a vote for the biggest parenting problem over things like substance abuse or peer pressure or pornography or all these other issues? Linda, why do you think entitlement is the number one parenting issue in America today? Well, you know, for one thing, we're calling actually today National Entitlement Awareness Day because... Um, we have been thinking about it for so long, and we have bloggers all over the country blogging about entitlement today. And, you know, as parents start thinking about entitlement, they think, oh, my kids aren't entitled. I mean, some do. Obviously, they immediately think, oh, yes, they are. But then we realize that we are entitling our kids. We had the coolest blog post today from a mom who had her daughter at a tennis lesson. And she said, 
there were balls all over, and I immediately ran out and started picking you up, just, you know, as a mother does. And the instructor said, excuse me, ma'am, but at this class, the kids pick up their own balls. <laughs> and she said, I was so embarrassed. that I was just the mother in me. You just come behind your kids and clean up after them and, get to, you know, try to make things right and good and tidy and all that. But we do it too much. We make life too easy for our kids sometimes. So are you saying, Linda, that indulgent, overprotective, extra conscientious mothers are part of the entitlement problem? I think so, and I I kind of belong in that category, too, (laughs) because we all do that. We all fall into that. I mean, there are one or two mothers here and there. Um, Actually, my mom was a pretty good one who just, you know, made me work for everything and, you know, do your stuff. But still, I mean, she said, I'll do the dishes and you practice because that's your work. And you really, and it takes a long, long time. So as long as you're practicing, I'll do the dishes. And so, you know, I think, and I was greatly relieved I practiced more because of that. But I think for the most part, we try to make life as easy as we can for our kids. And by doing that, we're entitling them. Well, you know, it goes by a lot of names, this problem. Some people just call it spoiled kids, and others call it indulgence, and others call it enablement and so on. But we we really do think the best name for the problem, the big problem, bigger than ever before, certainly bigger than a generation ago, bigger than even 10 years ago, the best name is entitlement. And um, we want to share a little insight with with our listeners today about what it's like to to be a writer and to be writing a book on a subject that you know is important and that you know people all over the world, you know, they have it as a self-perceived need. They know it's a difficult thing. And we we really, you know, we speak a lot, as you listeners know, and we tend to get our clues from our speaking audiences. And I think it was probably... I don't know, five or six years ago, Linda, that we first started sort of getting overwhelmed by the fact that virtually every question we would get asked during the Q&As of our speeches would be in one way or another about entitlement. I mean, it might be, oh, my kids are spending too much time with their electronic gadgets or they always have to have the newest cell phone or whatever. Or it might just be a question about my kids won't work anymore. They they don't they don't understand anything about delayed gratification. They just want what they want right now, and they want it without working for it, without waiting for it. Or someone would say, my 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 kids' friends have everything. My kids think they're entitled to have whatever their friends have. And I think it's just it sort of started then, and it's been building and building, and now. It's pretty much all we hear. Uh, it is really interesting. I mean, we were having a discussion with our daughter on the way home today on the road, and uh, she was just torn trying to decide what lessons to put her kids in because she wants to expose them to everything, and we all do. We all we did, too. I mean, we wanted our kids to you find their gifts, and then you put them in these classes and try to, you know, do the best you can because, you know, they that might be their their one and only wonderful thing that they do in life and they need to be good at it. But, but they're entitled to play every sport. They're entitled to take yeah. every lesson. They're entitled to do every musical thing. They're entitled to uh, 
just you know being and and not only that when they get on these teams or whatever they all get a trophy i mean you can mm-hmm. lose every game and still everyone on the losing team gets a trophy and it says participant on it now i understand that's nice to recognize every kid and so on but do we really want to tell them that they're special and they're winners when they're not? I mean, is that um, part of entitlement? Well, I guess it is, but, you know, they sure didn't used to do that. I kind of wish they'd had that when I was in high school. I was the PEP <laughs> club president the, our, our senior year, and we played 20 basketball games, and we lost 19. Didn't get any trophies, and we, did you? <laughs> nobody got any trophies saying good job or anything like that. It was hard to cheer by the end of the year. But it really is, it is true. I mean, I don't think we grew up in an entitled age. Now, we might be a little older than some of our listeners, but um, because we're empty nesters now, but it really is interesting to think how different our lives were than the lives of our kids right now because there are so many opportunities, even in a recession, even when there's so many hard times and so on. Um, it, don't, let, don't let Linda make you think we're old fogies out here sitting looking at the world through rose-covered glasses, though, because we are so involved with grandkids now, and every time we go out and speak, which is pretty much every week, we're around families and kids, and we're so aware of how difficult this whole entitlement issue is. Sometimes it's just bizarre, isn't it, Linda? I mean, you know, we hear stories you wouldn't believe about four-year-olds who want to have cell phones and six-year-olds who think they ought to have a credit card. And uh, you Oh, know, well, honey, four-year-olds do have cell phones, but they just hold them in their hand and play games well, 24-7. Yeah, I mean, I know what you own. mean, but I mean, it's I mean, that's an entitlement, too. I mean, you know, just keep me entertained all the time. Keep something in front of me because otherwise I'm going to be naughty or I might cry or something. You know, it really is just everywhere. So some of you who listened a few weeks ago when we initially broached this subject of entitlement know that then this sense is very oversimplified and this is a generalization that we expand in our in our new book the entitlement trap but essentially we did we we have concluded through a lot of studies and a lot of effort and a lot of work with a lot of families that the antidote to this attitude of entitlement is is helping kids to perceive that they actually own certain things because once anyone, an adult or a child, perceives real ownership, not just given ownership like here, son, here's twenty dollars, now you own it, but real earned ownership where they've given up something, they've 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 made an effort, they have earned some money or they've earned ownership of something suddenly entitlement is a thing of the past because ownership dictates that they take pride in it, that they put it away, that they take care of it, and so on. And so our whole effort in speaking and writing over the last year or so has been to help parents find ways to help their kids perceive real ownership, not only of their toys and their gadgets and their clothes, but ownership of their education, ownership of their own goals, ownership of their own values, ownership of their own choices and decisions. That ownership, it's like a magic button. Once a kid feels that, no more entitlement. And we also think it's so important for kids to feel ownership of their in their family, that they have some equity in the family. Right. And we can we can detail some of these in the second half, but it really is so important for kids to feel that ownership once they do. I mean, if you're coming down from the top saying, this is what we're going to do, 
you're not going to have as much success if you, as if you say to them, what do you think we should do? How should we handle this? What would be your solution? Then it becomes theirs. So equity in their own family and then ownership of their stuff, of their things, of their things that they pursue. And wouldn't you love it if your kid felt ownership of his grades and real ownership of his homework and real ownership of his education? Those are the things we try to explore in this new book. But I think, since we did tell you quite a bit about it, if you were listening on the other show we did on entitlement, we wanted to actually go a step further today and tell you a little about this new book of ours and how not only how you can get it, we're not on this, on this show to sell the book, but we want to get the principles from the book into your head. And I'll tell you, Linda, you know, many of you know that we've written a lot of parenting books, more than a dozen, less than 20, more than a dozen. But um, in the past, when you had a book, the way to reach a lot of parents was to get it on the bestseller list, and the way to get it on the bestseller list was simple, just get on the Oprah show, and there you are. Which was not simple, might I say. (laughs) In fact, when we did that, it was such a funny experience because we had just released Teaching Your Children Values, and it just happened to be a topic that her staff was looking at because of a, a tragedy in England where two, two nine-year-olds, I think, had taken a three-year-old from a supermarket or a, from a store and actually killed this child. Terrible story. Terrible And so they were like, where, is, where are our values? What has happened? Oh, my gosh, where is somebody that knows something about teaching children values? And it just happened to be a moment so that they called and said, we want to do this. They came out and took B-roll, which means for a whole day they filmed our family, which is really, really scary, but some specific <laughs> systems that we were using. We kept saying, don't fight, don't argue, you might be on TV, the whole world might know. <laughs> no kidding. That was that was so fun, though, in retrospect. It was not fun on the day. I did not sleep one wink the night before we went on that show. They did the whole hour on the show, which they hadn't told us they were going to do, put the kids on the stage with us, mic'd them up, two kids who had never gone a whole hour without fighting their entire lives, it was a horrifying experience, but it actually did turn out really fun. In fact, you listeners, imagine imagine the most fearful and panicked situation you could ever be in, and maybe it would be like ours. We're going to be on for one hour tomorrow with Oprah, and it's live, and there's 22 million viewers, and... Your kids are going to be on stage, and the two who fight most are sitting right next to each other. And, oh, my on and goodness, on. it was just a frightening thing. We prayed a lot, didn't we, honey? We prayed a lot that night before. <laughs> we thought we just as well because we couldn't sleep. But it turned out great. And what I, my point was going to be that in those days, you get on Oprah, and then we, we were on the Today Show and the, the Donahue Show and Primetime Live and so on, and it was a book sort of whose time had come, and suddenly it was a bestseller, and then the next thing you knew it was number one on the New York Times bestseller list, Teaching Your Children Values. And we had said to each other many times, are we ever going to have another book that will be that well-timed and that will uh, do that well in sales? Well, we just got another maybe a minute until we take a break, but let me just say when we come back from the break, we're going to tell you that 
we think this entitlement trap book is as perfectly timed as the values book was, but boy, is it a different world when it comes to publishing. Guess what? Oprah's not even there anymore. Guess what? Parents don't buy books off of TV like they used to. Guess what? It's all about social media. It's all about the buzz on Facebook and on Twitter and on blogs and on emails. And websites. Websites, that's the way you reach people today. So we'll take a little break, and when we come back, we'll tell you what we've tried to do to get this entitlement trap solution into the hands of as many parents as possible. Okay, we're back. Uh, Richard Iyer joined by, in fact, joining his wonderful wife. Linda Iyer, here on the <laughs> other line. <laughs> we enjoy doing this show together because it gives us a chance to talk to each other. We're not so busy. We're just talking to you folks out in Radio Land. It is so fun. We love radio. You can do it in your pajamas. It's just so <laughs> wonderful. So this is a great opportunity. So when we, just before the break, uh, we did want to share, we kind of think of you listeners as friends, we want to share this sort of interesting challenge we've had in the days of post-Oprah. How do you get the message out about a book that you think is really important and you really want to get it in the hands of parents? And as I said, it's it's about social media. It's about letting people know. And so... We've had a lot of help. We're so grateful to the blogosphere. We've had uh, literally hundreds of mom bloggers and I guess a couple dad bloggers, although they're not near as common, who have been uh, participating in today, this very day, National Entitlement Awareness Day. People all over the country sending in ideas about how entitled kids are and how to try to overcome it. And we're just going to see how many how many folks uh, pre-order this book. And we want to give you listeners the chance, too, because it's practically free if you pre-order it. Right, Linda? It is. If you pre-order, and we're talking pre-orders for an interesting reason, Richard will explain later. But if you pre-order before the release date, which is September 6th, you also get a download, which is worth 10 bucks. I mean, you can get the book for 12 instead of 18 and then you get a download worth $10 for teaching your children honesty. So basically you pay $2 for <laughs> the book, which is a good deal. But, um, you know, I, I think that it is, we had one mom who blogged today who said the title of her blog post was, I went to Disneyland and then I had a meltdown. And I think that's just about the way we are sometimes almost every day. But I mean, think about entitlement that's going on at Disneyland. And we love Disneyland. I, I do at least. Rich, not Richard's favorite place. <laughs> Those lines just kill him. But I like being in the lines with my grandkids. Anyway, um, it really is so interesting that it is just everywhere you turn. So I think the thing we want to do is just say um, in this wonderful day of uh, the Internet and uh, the World Wide Web, just go to, do yourself a favor and do us a favor at the same time and go to www.entitlementtrap.com. And there you'll see sort of some some videos about entitlement. You'll see some worries that parents have about entitlement, and you'll see a click where you can, like Linda says, pre-order the book, 
It doesn't come out until September 6th, but that's only a couple of weeks away. And by pre-ordering it, you get a discount and you get some free stuff and you even get entered in a drawing to win some big prizes. So it's a pretty cool deal. And we sort of push it unashamedly, Linda, because we know that this is a book that will help parents and we know the only way to make parents all over America aware of it is for them to start seeing it on bestseller lists. And the way to get it on bestseller lists is if a lot of people pre-order it, because then all those sales go into the first week's tabulation, and bingo, you're on the list, and people say, oh, that looks like a book I might need. I've got a little problem with entitlement. I better go buy it. You know, I am the world's worst salesman. I hate selling stuff. I would. We have three boys in sales, and they are fabulous. Where are they when we need them? They have none. <laughs> none of my genes. I absolutely abhor selling things, and I. I have been always thinking of this as a cause. You know, this this is a cause because we know from what parents are telling us that it's a huge problem. Uh, but somebody the other day said to me, so. Is the reason you're doing this because you, you know, to make a lot of money? And that had really never occurred to me. Maybe it did to you, Richard, but not to me. <laughs> I just thought we have to get this message out to parents because, I mean, there are so many good parents. We're not saying everybody's stupid or they don't know what to do. They're, they're fabulous parents. They know what they, stuck. what they want, but they're kind they're of stuck. stuck. They just, yeah, they just don't know exactly how to teach their kids what they really want them to have and what they want them to know. Well, uh, that's why we called it. That, that You actually gave me a perfect segue to say what I wanted to about the title, and that's why we call the book The Entitlement Trap. You know, a trap isn't something that you, that you sort of say, oh, look, there's a nice trap, let's go enter it. You know, it's, a trap catches you off guard, and that's what's happening with entitlement. We know so many good parents who are saying, well, you know, I teach my kids how to work. They have to do their chores, and they have this responsibility and that and so on. And, and, and parents really are trying, but the problem is we live in an environment where all their friends are given too much stuff and, and don't have to wait. They get instant gratification, and they're saying to our kids, hey, you know, why, why, why do you have a, you know, why don't you have a cell phone yet? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? Why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? And it's tough on our kids. So whether we provide the problem or create it or not, it really does surround us. And we, just to back up what you said, Linda, if there was a way, honestly, if there was a way that we could do this book for free and drop it out of airplanes, you know, and and get one to every parent who who needs it. I mean, here's what I wish. If I had a wish, you know, we'd we'd poll the whole nation and every parent who said, "Yep, I vote for entitlement as the number one parenting challenge that that exists and that I have." Then then someone would say, "Oh, good. Then you qualify for a free book," and they'd hand them the entitlement trap. That's what I wish we could do, but unfortunately, in the real world. We are in this cause of ours of sort of anti-entitlement. We're stuck with trying to be, you know, authors who say we've written the book. We hope you'll read it. Well, and if you threw them out of airplanes, that would be a little bit of entitlement, honey. <laughs> I, don't I guess you that's true. <laughs> and you don't really some value charge. something that just comes out of the Here, sky. you can have it for five cents. Here's the book, you know. You're not getting it for free. You're not getting anything for free. 
Anyway, you know, what we, we've polled parents, and we've been speaking the last four or five years, and ask them what do they want for their kids. And really the most common answers you can probably guess if you're thinking, what do I really want for my kids in the end? And these are the answers, self-esteem, self-discipline, self-confidence, self-motivation, happiness, and good judgment. Um, that was the list. And then when we talk about that with them, then we talk about, well, what do we really give them often, too often? Indulgence, instant gratification, stuff, materialism, and entitlement. So I think we need to think about that a little bit and think how we can turn that around. And we think we can do that with one magic word, and it's the O word, ownership. That's the ownership. Let me just, uh, another good way to introduce the concept to you a little bit is we were fortunate to have, enough to have our good friend and our mentor in so many ways. Stephen Covey wrote the preface for the book, and um, I loved what he said at the end of his preface. He said the first half of this book will teach you how to set up a family economy in your home where kids earn and budget and save and give money that they actually own. This will make them financially savvy in a world that's, that's an economic tornado, basically. But then he said, that is the first half of the book. The second half of the book goes beyond and talks about giving kids ownership of their character of their grades, of their goals, of their values, of their choices, of their decisions. And I think, I think Stephen Covey has always captured the essence of what we're trying to do in this book, which is, hey, don't think of money, whether you have a lot of money or whether you have a little tiny bit of money, don't think of money as the enemy. Think of money as the raw material with which you teach ownership and responsibility. Because after all, when you think about it, money is a pretty neat vehicle. You can, you can save it, you can budget it, you can earn it, you can spend it, you can account for it. I mean, it's the perfect vehicle. And then once you learn those principles of ownership and stewardship and responsibility, it's easier for a parent to say, now let's apply the same principles to a bunch of other things. Let's apply it to your goals. Let's not us set goals for you. Let's have you set your own goals. Let's not have us tell you to do your homework. Let's have you take over on your homework and have ownership, and we'll be your consultants. We'll help you out. You know, and then actually we pay them for doing certain things, just not for cleaning their room, obviously. But we, we have paid kids for four things that they're required to do every day. At the end of the day, they put a little slip in the box. Uh, well, the box is our family bank. We put a little slot in the top of this big old box with a big old padlock on it. And they have to be responsible to put in how many of those things they did during the day. Then on Saturday, there's no allowance day. We're kind of, we're a little down on the term allowance. In fact, those of you that get the Deseret News today, our column is about eight problems with allowances. Allowance itself, the term sort of means I'll allow you to use my money. I'll allow you to have this money. It's sort of a welfare term, an entitlement term. And so now when you come to payday or to Saturday, it's not allowance day, it's payday. 
And we have had so much fun with this. It takes some trouble to set up. I mean, it's like an infra- any infrastructure. You know, if you're building a bridge, it's such a pain to drive around it all the time. And then exactly, I mean, we just opened a new bridge in Salt Lake City this week, which everybody has been so miserable without for a year and a half. And now finally there's that infrastructure there, and you can go through it so smoothly. So it takes a little bit of time to set up this system. You have to have a family meeting. You have to tell your the kids exactly what to expect. You have to have their input on it so they have some ownership in it. And it doesn't have to be our system. It just has to be a system so that they know how to ra- actually use their money well, but that they actually feel that what money they have, they own. Exactly. And so... You know, think of it in sort of two parts. First of all, you set up a family economy complete with a family bank and with checkbooks and with chores that kids can earn their money and with a payday on Saturday. And then part two is applying those same ownership and responsibility principles to everything from goals and grades to conflicts. There's even a chapter in the book on you know, helping kids to own their own sibling rivalries and their own conflicts. It involves a repenting bench where kids go sit down. So before we run out of time, one more reminder that uh, you can go to www.entitlementtrap.com and join the cause of fighting entitlement attitudes in our children. We'll talk to you next week. 